0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tripland oh.
1: Podcast.
0: <laughs> How dare you?
1: Just jump right in. Did you see that?
2: Did you see what he <laughs> just did then? I usually run this podcast. <laughs> That's really good, well, no, Come on, let's see if you can do it anyway.
0: Hi, everyone, welcome to the Tripland Podcast. Uh, um, and we, I'm, I'm Ethan, uh, this is Joel, and we have a fantastic guest along with us today. This is Grace. Hi, Grace. Hello. Hi Grace. How you doing? Good. That's really good. good. Train delay is getting here.
1: Train delay, took me two hours to get here. Oh, from? Sad times. From West Ride.
2: Really? Yeah. Joy. That Ooh. is yeah. upsetting. Did they say why well, it was delayed?
1: Uh, something was happening around the town hall area. I can never really understand the technical side of things <laughs> on the trains. <laughs>
2: There's a train in front of the other train
1: That's and it's not right. working. Something about the signal. Uh, and
0: it doesn't help that the, the all the voice were found like, like it's not actually really helpful. The next train should go the doors closing. We've
2: given
1: you a reason whether you can understand or not. Yeah. That's
0: right. Excellent. The first question we ask, Grace, when people come on the Chip Lunch podcast is how do you like your chips?
1: Hot and crunchy. Hot and crunchy. Crunchy. Texture Mm. is important. Texture is very important. This is true. It gives a certain Mm mouthfeel. Often with chicken salt, because I don't often get to eat chicken salt. Yes. But I was also thinking for something a little bit more different. Mm -hmm. um, There are different kinds of salt, like seaweed salt or Mm. kimchi salt. Wow. What? Love it.
2: Okay, please delve delve into this in more detail for us.
1: I think when you go into some of those fusion places and they like to do something just a little bit different – They go, oh, instead of the classic stuff, let's change it up a bit. And when you're looking at the menu, you go, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how that tastes. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it could be pretty appealing. Mm -hmm. So you get sort of lured into ordering something just to try it out. (laughs) So it's not
0: necessarily something you really like. It's just something that you would like to like?
1: Oh, I I ended up trying them. and I did like them. Oh, okay, nice. But I think when I look at the menu and see a new kind of salt or new flavor, it is very appealing to try it out. I get that.
0: You like to try new things like that? Yeah. Okay. I do that whenever I have, um, whenever I see pasta on a menu at a restaurant, I I pick the pasta that I can't pronounce or I haven't (laughs) seen before like that one looks really Italian, yeah. And so I'll go for that. It's That's all Italian. I know, but <laughs> some looks more Italian <laughs> like than others. I don't have the fettuccine. Well, like apparently bow ties is just Fusilli. Yeah, it's just Ficilli. yeah, which just means bow ties. Mm. Mm. So it's still bow ties. But yeah, yeah. There, you there, there
2: you go. Imagine how much effort it is to make a fusilli slash bow tie. Oh yeah, then just
0: chopping up a fettuccine fully. Yeah. Outrageously work. Sorry to. I d- love d- this d- d- <laughs> diversion. Devolve into <laughs> pastor talk. But yes, anyway, I am a pastor. That happens. Um, Joel. <laughs> double meaning all, been, all over the place. Joel, I've <laughs> been I've been stealing your job. Do you wanna do you wanna continue from here? Yeah, sure. Well, I was
2: just gonna ask that so would you eat seaweed salt or what was the other one? Seaweed yeah, salt? So, kimchi. So,
1: you know the Korean <sighs> um, side dish which they eat with sort of every meal. It's like a fermented It's thing, a fermented it? often cabbage, but yep. it can be all sorts of different vegetables. Mm-hmm. And it has a quite pungent smell. Mm. Uh, but it tastes really nice. A little bit spicy, mm. a little bit sour. And you
2: have had it on hot chips, is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, I've had the salt. So they it's kind of distill it into a flavor or a salt yeah, okay. and then put on chips.
2: Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Um, any particular place you'd like to go for your chips that you're like, oh, I want to go back there and get my chips? Mm.
1: I don't really remember where I've had really good chips. So mm. I think I'm often just going to a place and pleasantly surprised when they, <laughs> <laughs> when they turn out well. <gasps> oh, there's chips here. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and they're good. <laughs> yep. Cool.
2: Well, the second question that we always ask, and this is one that I'm really looking forward to the answer to, is how did you become a Christian, Grace? Uh,
1: I think one sort of key theme I see um, is that struggle for belonging in my life. Mm. And that's, I guess, something that has really driven me towards God, uh, where I find a great sense of belonging in God's family. Um, so i in, in thinking about belonging why that's such a big deal for me i think um i came from singapore when i was a kid mm. um and then grew up in australia but went to a german school so <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it's all a Solid. mixed bag of yeah. things yeah yep. so never felt like i identified particularly with any part or really belonged anywhere
3: mm.
1: and um I did have Christian influence in my life quite early on, so my parents took me to church, uh, me and my sister Michelle, and we went pretty much every week quite consistently, Mm -hmm. but for me it was just another thing to go to, and Mm -hmm. because I still had this wrestling with what does it mean to belong, it just felt like, oh, I treat church like a hobby rather than belong there. Uh, And so this continued on, and in high school I stopped going to church because it didn't give me that sense of belonging and I was looking for other friends and I thought oh if I go to Chinese school then I would find new friends there Uh, and perhaps if they're Chinese they identify more with me and I with them Um, and church was just something that could be swapped out for something else because it was just a hobby uh, or an interest and I could find another interest Uh, so I sort of like continued on with life and at university was a time that I got to kind of stop and think and wrestle with bigger questions. Um, I'd always had that niggling feeling of maybe I should go back to church Um, but I have other things I need to do in my life and that I want to prioritise like my studies so I kind of just left it hanging but at university it was sort of a new starting point um, there was an overwhelming sort of load of people. I went to UNSW. And <laughs> yeah. My commerce lectures would have like a thousand people. And wow. you kind of not keep track of people. And unless you made the point to kind of be friends and let's keep hanging out together, uh, you would see one person one day and then not the next. Um, and I guess in my law lectures, it was smaller, but still that sense of floating around a little bit. So I thought, I'll join the Christian group to make some good friends. Uh, and I, I know something of Christianity, it would be good as well to kind of start thinking about God again and what it means if I call myself a Christian, but don't go to church and not sure whether I believe whether this is true or not. Uh, and then when I joined a Bible study uh, as part of the law faculty, I was very surprised when I saw that people were very consistent in the way they lived out their life uh, according to God's word. Uh, they would really care for people. Things were busy as a law student, but they would just go out of their way to love and support other people. And at the same time, they took what was said in the Bible as truth and really seriously. And I was like, oh, I'm not that familiar with that sort of approach. And that piqued my curiosity. And there were often times where I didn't want to go to Bible study again because academics were competing priorities. But then I thought, something just held me there. People were wanting to catch up with me to read the Bible, to hear about my life, to pray with me. Uh, and then there came this time where there was a, a mid-year conference, um, uh, which is where something like 700, 800 uni students who are Christian or exploring Christianity would go away together with Campus Bible Study. And um, it's five days of lots of Bible input, lots of time with uh, people who are Christian or exploring Uh, And so uh, it just made me stop and think. And it was quite confronting because it's like, do you want to live God's way? And I think at the time there were just other competing priorities, which meant, oh, I'm not sure whether I'm ready to let go and is following Jesus that good that I'm willing to let go of those things um, and allocate my time and resources differently. Um, I think... There wasn't one point where I became Christian. It was really more and more the evidence that came before me, the love I experienced from people, what I read in the Bible became more and more true and made Mm. more and more sense. And so that um, gradual compilation of things meant that I reached a point where I would just go, yeah, it's pretty normal and natural (laughs) to call myself a Christian and I'm fully convicted by this. Um, And I think that's where I also felt wow, that sense of maybe um, belonging was perfectly fulfilled by God. Like I still mm. struggle with it. Mm. Uh, and there are times where I keep needing to tell myself the gospel truth again about you belong to Jesus mm. because he saved you. And it's unconditionally saved you, not because of what you've done or who you, who you are or present to be. Uh, and so I think that was a great sense of relief because I didn't mm. need to Pretend I belong somewhere, or mm. work really, really hard at belonging somewhere, uh, and that made me much more relaxed as a person.
2: Yeah, right. How um how old were you when you made like, though you, were, you felt, felt like you were fully convicted?
1: Um, probably around eighteen to twenty. So eighteen mm. was where I started exploring a bit more. Yeah, okay. And then it took maybe two or three years. Mm.
2: Yeah. And do you think that you, you you've mentioned that sense of belonging a lot? Was that um Do you think? You, and you also said there was a sense of relief. Was that because it's like of was it? You t- said so you also struggled with belonging too. So my my question, I suppose, I'm, I'm getting it a bit tangled up. But I was just fascinated to see that you felt relieved, and that mm. I think that was. Um, did you feel like you didn't have to keep trying to find to find that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I think I could like looking back in hindsight, I could see that I was trying really hard at school um, through academic achievements to go. I have a place here in the school. Like, I'm this random Asian kid in a German school. (laughs) There's something not quite right here, it felt like. Um, Although people were very welcoming, the teachers put a lot of effort to help me, um, especially in the early years, to get that language going. Um, But there was still a sense of, I'm not sure whether I belong here, Mm. and so I better work really hard Mm -hmm. to belong here.
2: And I suppose uh, you moving around a lot or. I was just going to ask you in regards to that, like, what's the, what was the path that your family took? Because I've, I've met your dad, yeah, and he's a lovely guy. Yeah. Is it, what's his name again though? I forgotten his Gerald. name. Gerald. Yeah. Gerald. Okay, yeah, Gerald. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, thank you for reminding me. Sorry, Gerald, that I forgot your name. <laughs> uh, Special shout out to him. Yeah, no, we, shout we, out. We, love you, we love you, Gerald. We love you, Gerald. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, the question was because I think he's originally from China. Is that right? And then did he come? He went via Singapore and Malaysia.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: Sort of very, so like family is complicated because they're all over the, from all over the place. Okay. So hmm. once I grandparents were from China, they migrated to Mal- Malaysia, then uh, dad grew up in Malaysia, uh, then came to Australia to study. Um, Study at the same UNSW. Yep, and that's right. And had the that. same commerce lecture at some point. Oh, wow. He, <laughs> he must amazing. be old. Or yeah. wow. he or she must <laughs> be very old. That's <laughs> right, Who was. I was like, oh, yeah, we're talking about the same person. <laughs> 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 and then amazing. he went back to Malaysia, then went to Singapore to work because job prospects there were better.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then um, met mom in Singapore. Okay. But mom was from Taiwan originally and migrated to Singapore wow. as a high school student yep. with her family. Uh, and then when dad and mom got married, I was born in Singapore, but we migrated to Australia when I was three Mm -hmm. and Michelle was born here.
0: Right. 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 Okay, cool. Where does the German school come into it? Why was that? Yeah. Why (laughs) did you go to a German school?
1: Well, there was a German school and ride. So it was like, oh, it's around the corner. Um, I guess the story is that we were put on an Australian school waiting list. Right. Uh, and I was already five and a half by that time. Um, my parents were like, oh, it's time for you to go and socialise with other kids, mm. learn stuff. Um, there's a school nearby that seems quite um, family-oriented and very thoughtful. Uh, and at the time, Dad was also working for a, a German company, so I guess he had German colleagues and there was some influence there. Mm. I thought, why not? And maybe there's even the chance of picking up another language.
2: Which is just one of many for you, right? How many like, languages do you actually speak?
1: Uh, I can speak Four.
2: So can, can you list them all for us?
1: Uh, so German, French, English, and Mandarin Chinese.
2: <laughs> Wild. So that's, like German and French, are, they have some similarities, right? But then like Mandarin is a big, big jump between Mandarin the two. Mandarin is
1: the most sort of distinctive from the other three. So I think at school I felt like that was the hardest one.
2: Mm. Right. So you were learning Mandarin at school?
1: Uh, I was learning that at home. So um, <laughs> <laughs> growing up meant that you went to a German school, you mm-hmm. did everything in German, including math, sciences, wow. uh, geography, history, all of that. And then you go home, and then mom would give us Chinese homework to do.
3: <laughs> so oh we're like, oh, why are we doing Chinese homework
1: while other kids can go and play? But it was yeah, right. really, really helpful, like in the long run, mm. because I can now share Jesus with Mandarin speakers. Mm, that's
2: Absolutely, a, yeah. that's what's cool about it. Did, um, that you spoke about, like how yeah, academics is really important to you, and mm. probably still is, which is fine. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> not judging you on that. Sorry, but is that where it originally came from? Like. Your parents wanting to do really well academically or is it more driven by yourself?
1: I think it was both so initially I think parents um, pushed it a fair bit not sort of in an overbearing sense um, there is definitely an Asian stereotype that goes you know you get 99.5 percent on your assignment and they go like where's the 0.5 (laughs) percent other than going great job and you're a genius (laughs) (laughs) like maybe you can improve on that (laughs) yeah Yeah. um they weren't so much like that they would always want me to improve and Mm. grow Uh, and so they would also help me work on the areas I had weaknesses on and I would also get extra maths and English and other things like homework Uh, on top of the school homework.
3: Mm.
1: (laughs) So I think they were pretty ambitious. They wanted me to do my best. Mm. But I think they realised at a point where I was in primary school that I already pushed myself really hard. uh, And they sort of ended up trying to comfort me or help me not take things as seriously Mm. uh, because they knew that I was so stressed about things.
0: Mm. Was that a really helpful shift? Like, did did that shift of theirs, when they noticed you were... Struggling, pushing yourself a little bit too hard. Did that help you with your uh, feeling less pressure, or did you keep up that uh, for quite a while? I think
1: I'm pretty good at giving myself pressure. (laughs) And so, like, I would then argue with them why I should give myself more pressure (laughs) rather than being fully convinced by what they say. So, yeah, right. Yep, great. But I still need to pass this exam, Mm. or I still need to do well in order to do X, Y, and Z. Mm.
2: And it, like that, uh, I was just going back to what you're saying. Like it's an immigrant, or well you said an Asian thing, but I think it's uh, a lot of immigrants take they, the the risk of coming over. Yeah. I mean, I remember talking to yep. Jabir when his family came from India, mm. and you can i can kind of understand the pressure to to do well because it's like we've got to make this work mm. like we've taken this risk to move to another country where we know no probably yeah. know very little people yep. and we are going to an area we don't know anyone yep. our children are going to a german school mm-hmm. like we've got to make this work and i think that that's often that's what's missed on, like you spoke about a stereotype but i think that's often what's missed within Um, people that have come to this country is that they've got to make it, they want to make it work. They they can see that Australia is a place that they want to live, but it's like, oh, well, we've got to make this work. So we're going to, we're going to, you've got to make sure that you get a uni degree and all that yeah. kind of stuff because then we know that you are secure. You yeah. are you have the security of staying in a, a reasonably stable job in a, a pretty stable country and that, that's better for our life as a family, I think. Yeah, so definitely. So just to validate that is like, yeah. I, mm. I don't want to always talk about a stereotype. It's like that. that's why so many mm. people that have come to Australia are doing that because they're like, we're going to make it we are going to make this work anyway. um, I think
1: security is such a huge theme as well. Mm. Um, And so it doesn't matter what background you're from. Like I think we're all seeking for security. Mm. Um, It might just look different. Like the symptoms might look different. And so just working out what does that look like in my life? Where am I particularly insecure in my life? And then how does God address that insecurity? And Mm. where do I find security in him instead? Um, that is mm. such a relieving and such a liberating thing.
2: And what was that for you? Like you're talking about being, feeling, to, uh, everyone feel, needs to feel secure, I think. Mm. What was that for you? What made you feel insecure, do you think?
1: Um, being different made me feel a little mm. bit insecure. Yeah. I mean, like school is great, but there would also be kids who like tease you and go, oh, you're, you're a bit different. And, mm. um Yeah, there were some like minor things that Mm. just made you feel, oh, I actually don't belong here. And when you feel like you don't belong, that makes you feel insecure too. Like I don't Mm. have a place here. Mm. Also, Um, when
2: you've moved, you know that you've moved from a country that you were born in as well, that, that would add to it as well? I belonging. think so.
1: And like just like appearance-wise, you look different. Yeah. What you bring for lunch is different. Yeah, yeah. People are like, what is that gross stuff you're eating? And you're like, this is my delicious lunch. So mm. What was it? What was
2: your delicious lunch that you brought?
1: Well, mum always put a lot of effort into making our lunches. Mm. And she would often, like, um, like, if it was sandwiches, it might be a more complicated sandwich rather than just ham and cheese. Mm. She would put, like, uh, a really typically sort of Asian thing is pork floss. Like, they would fry it. They put like maybe sesame seeds and seaweed, and it's very fragrant. It sounds delicious. And then they put it in. The, she'd put it in the sandwich with some, you know, butter. Um, other things would be like she'd actually cook meat and slice it, and then put vegetables and all of that, and layered it up. So it's like a complex meal. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's some like YouTube videos. There's some um, comedians now who <laughs> are emphasizing that Asian sort of intriguing unique kind of thing mm. and so there's actually a really funny youtube clip of this like asians bring their lunch to school <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of reminded me of when <laughs> mom used to pack sort of um elaborate lunches mm. compared to the the roll-ups or the chips that other kids yeah. would get yeah, yeah.
2: i remember uh, i think oh, my godfather who lives in Canberra, and he made a point of that um a family of greek background moved into him and they're like we'd never seen olives before <laughs> and they didn't know what olives or olive oil or anything like it's very similar, right? Yeah. It's like, and I, but I think that's for the better of Australia. Like, oh, if we're yeah. just talking about food, man, there's so so much great Asian food, there's so much great so Greek much. food, Italian food. You've already spoken about. about Italian food. I need like 17 different types of pasta. That's like, it. <laughs> I think it's just fantastic, anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, can you just tell us about school, like what it was like for you at school, Grace? So, you you already said that you, you probably didn't feel belonging, and everything was done in. German, <laughs> which I still find a bit difficult to believe. Well, not difficult to believe, difficult to know how I would cope with that. Did you enjoy school or was it just got to be academic and got to get out of here as quickly as possible?
1: It was a bit of a mix. So uh, I really enjoyed school uh, when I was doing really well. So hmm. when I was performing well, I also had, did have some really close friends at that time and just loved that. So I remember as a kid, there were times where I'd get sick and then I'd be really upset that I couldn't go to school. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but I think the constant pressure that I gave myself meant that school wasn't as enjoyable as it could have been. Yep. So uh, an example would be like, I just stress out so much about an upcoming maths exam that instead of, of like enjoying the learning and just going what possibilities could come out of knowing maths well, mm. I would just be really stuck and focused on getting the marks
2: Mm. And did that hinder – do you think that hindered your learning? Because I feel like I did that in my HSC. Like I stressed about it so much that I actually didn't study well and then didn't do as well as I wanted to in the HSC. Was it the same for you?
1: Um, I think from a Mark's perspective, I probably would have done the same um, regardless. Mm. But I think – studying is so much more than just achieving marks. Like Marks Mm. are, in a sense, an arbitrary way of determining a certain standard, whereas there's so much that's not measurable as well that is very beneficial. Mm. And so um, I think I missed out on a lot of that, um, going, oh, I just could have explored some great ideas, had a lot more fun, and just just thought a lot more personally Mm. rather Mm. than just mechanically going through the, the... steps
2: it's a difference between isn't it like just be able to regurgitate the information that's right but also like synthesize it and make it, and like kind of expand your your yeah, mind is yeah that, is that what we're doing expanding our mind yeah exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so then after school how did you do in the hsc did you do as well as you wanted to
1: um yes and no like <laughs> I, I did the international baccalaureate Um, Which is is the it's like an international form of the HSC, right? And and we did that because we had a lot of overseas students who um, were from Germany or other parts of Europe, they came here, so it's more transferable for them Mm -hmm. um, if they want to go home to do university. So we did that instead. Uh, So I did well, um, uh, but perhaps. I had high expectations of myself. <laughs> yeah, right. And also, when teachers are sort of talking you up, and you're going, "Yeah, I'm really great," then <laughs> you kind of get really disappointed when things don't go exactly as you planned.
2: Yeah. And you were so you were disappointed, like
1: I think for a period of time I was mm. a little bit, but then I I think as I grew um, in maturity and as a Christian, I'm like, does that really matter or not?
2: Yeah. And, yeah. and guarantee you probably got. A, are you willing enough to tell us your actual mark? That's so rude. I'll, also, I'll tell you, I'll that's tell you mine. That's <laughs> we can talk
1: about it. I anything. can't
0: remember mine. <laughs> <laughs> and mine that's was a lot closer than yours. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. it was out of 45. So, oh, and okay. then that sort of um, transfers over into, at the time, UAI. Yeah, right. Um, which is now ATAR or T-E-R or something. Yeah, that's it's ATAR. ATAR, right? ATAR, ATAR yeah. now, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... I got 43, but I think people were predicting that I get 45. So <laughs> right. it's it's that expectation. Yeah. It is um. it is
0: really good that you clarified that it's out of 45 beforehand. <laughs> Cuz <'cause laughs> the 8 hours out of 90. Yeah. Out, out of 100, 100 but no one it? gets to 100. You can't get one 100. One. Can you can't you? get 100. You can get 99.9, but
1: Yeah, you used to be able to get 100, you can't get 100. and now you can't get 100 yeah. anymore for the UAI or not make sense to me. Yeah. My
2: yeah. UAI was 72.95, I think. So Probably not as good as forty-three out of forty-five.
1: Uh, the conversion rate at that time was something like ninety-nine point seven five. So uh, it was you're <laughs> awesome. It was, it was good. It so, was really good. Um, That's so good. I think we rate. can often have a picture in our mind of w- what we think we should achieve. Yeah. And so I think being very adri- uh, achievement-driven at that time meant that that was a disappointment rather than something to celebrate Mm. even though perhaps majority of people would go no grace that is pretty good that's pretty good man (laughs) and i think a a thing (laughs) from like (laughs) becoming a christian is that like at that point in time that would have resulted like doing really well resulted either Mm. in pride or like in deep anxiety or um Mm. that sense of failure um But I think now, like, I'm slowly shifting, still working on it, but slowly shifting to not be determined by my achievements. Like, Mm. pride is something that doesn't please God, and what we can do really comes from Him. Mm. So instead of giving kudos to ourselves, it's really, this is a gift that God's given me. Mm. Let me use it to His glory and to serve other people. And likewise, when I don't do so well, I think now I'm more freed up to go, I'm not defined by it. I'm not seeking sense of security or belonging through it. Um, it's just something that I've tried and it didn't quite work out the way I expected, but I can either try again or go, I've tried really hard and that's just not my area, yeah. but it doesn't define me.
2: Mm. I would I agree with you. And I think I also find it helps you enjoy the thing that you're doing more oh, as absolutely, well. absolutely. Yeah. And in a way helps you, s- if you're studying or whatever, it helps you study more effectively Yeah. and but al- almost – because I, I was someone pretty achievement-oriented as well, I think. But also makes you um, – I was also a procrastinator. So, I, like, I had these high expectations, yeah. but then I there was this work that I didn't want to do. Yep. And I found that as I've become more mature as a Christian, those two things have come closer together. Yeah. So then I actually end up doing as well as I would like to – almost as well as I would like to do. But also I enjoyed a lot more and I – learn a lot better like we're yep. talking about just it wasn't just regurgitating information yep. it was now i can oh i can actually get this and i think that's a real gift that mm. god gives us is that in the way that we learn is a, an exception it's an it's any it's not an exceptional result, but it's an exceptional way to un- to help. He helps us understand stuff better. I don't mm. know if you can yeah, pass I'll, that better for me. My
0: only, my only addition to that is that I think as a, a really, a really good example that I like to think about and like to use is that my school uh, that I went to at high school, uh, our slogan is measure by achievement. Mm. And I think that that is really unhelpful mm-hmm. um, and yet is also a really interesting inside of what our whole society does. It's not just yeah. individuals. It's yep. not just the the personal, oh, I need to get these marks because I'm pushing myself. Yep. Um, but it's actually a societal, no, we mm. measure you by yeah. what you achieve. Uh, we're, Joel and I are reading, um, and, and Joey, one of the pastors here, are reading um, a book at the moment called uh, The Rise and Triumph for the Modern Self. Mm. And mm. in that, um, the author there talks about um, schools no longer being... Um, uh, 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 places where we learn how to fit into the world but instead schools are places where we perform mm. and, and, we, and express our
2: individualism and express yeah.
0: our individualism and we've we got to perform against each other and perform to each yeah. other um, because it is, it's about our individualism mm. now and that's the really interesting thing that, um, that Christ rocks up and goes yeah. no, it's actually not about your yeah. individualism is important but it's actually not about achievement mm-hmm. yep. because nothing you do gets you into heaven mm. you do nothing yep. well like it's yeah, it's yeah. just it's quite blunt yep. and a little bit and really hard to swallow sometimes um my my wife who has been on this podcast katie um is a self-professed perfectionist yep. um and she <laughs> yeah, and and she has spent a lot of her testimony is going i had to i had to wrestle with the idea of being <laughs> being a perfectionist, mm. who was striving to get everything right, and realizing that I can't, and that's kind I of the whole point. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it's a really interesting um, uh, polar opposite that our, our world goes. We measure yeah. by achievement, or yep. we measure by your performance, or we measure by that. Yeah. And Jesus goes, "We don't. No, we don't. Just follow me." And yeah. um, and I think that's it's really cool hearing your story thus far. Um, and seeing a lot of that, and a lot of those um, societal, cultural clashes yeah. happening with with Christianity, and also not even a clash. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that um, I don't know. I, let's 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 turn it into a question. The Grace is the was as you were figuring out um, that from 18 to 20 or whatever, mm. um, and how that you said that helped you with your belonging. Uh, concepts and 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 stuff you were thinking through um those struggles what what exactly about the gospel that helped with that stuff with belonging and 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 achieving and and that jazz that we've just been unpacking
1: i think the fact that um we are all sort of fallen uh, before god so we actually all in some sense don't belong to God, um, <laughs> yeah, right. it was like, wow, okay, like, it's really not by our own achievements that we belong, mm. um, even though our world tells us, like, you've got a place here because you are awesome and you've done this and you you have achieved that, <laughs> yeah. um, or, like, you're a certain personality and you're really funny and you belong, like, I think, like, just feeling, like, really out of place and uncool just meant that, oh, I don't belong and other people do belong, but I think the gospel speaks into the fact that we, in one sense, all are like insecure about ourselves or feeling that there's something not right in the world. There's a sense of brokenness and not belonging. Um, but the sense that even though we are so fallen and broken in God's eyes, mm. he wants to have a relationship with us and fixes that through sending Jesus to this world to mm. pay the price for our wrongdoing our you know the the shame that we've brought upon him the way that we've treated god so terribly but yet he says i'm going to restore this broken relationship Mm. through someone else um, through jesus uh, not by your own sort of problem solving or fixing the world Mm. and i think that is both humbling like you go wow i can't do anything about it but also really relieving because you know that there is some sense of um Like, I don't always have to get it right. Mm. The reality is I'll never fully get it right. And also the fact that once it's not by your merit that you belong and that you're treated as worthy, like your sense of self-worth just doesn't change anymore. Mm. You don't have to, like, grasp hold at it. And people do all sorts of crazy things just to, like, have that sense of self-worth. Like, whether it's being the richest person, being the funniest person, being... Mm you know, the, the best at everything. And I think um, I tried to do that through achievement and that often meant that um, I think when we're talking about the whole individualistic mm. kind of society measuring you by your merits, mm. um, that drove me apart from other people because Get I would run. always compare myself to other people yeah. And when people did really well, it's actually something worth celebrating because yeah. it's like, wow, there's this really smart person who can benefit society, yeah. but I would feel jealous, uh, envious, and not able mm. to be happy for that person. Mm-hmm. So it actually wedged um, relationships apart. Yeah. And so I guess finding my sense of self-worth in Jesus meant that, wow, okay, I belong regardless um, of how well I do or who I am. Uh, and that frees me up to then reach out to other people um, and be open to other people when they reach out to me um, because I don't need to struggle for my sense of self-worth or belong.
2: Mm. Uh, clip that. Clip <laughs> that. <laughs> that was actually a really good clip. We'll make sure we clip that. It was a funny joke. <laughs> but clip but it. <laughs> but,
0: but, but do that.
1: Yeah. It can <laughs> mean cut it. Or yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no. no. no, 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 no. no. I thought that's what he was saying. No, 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 Just no, get no, rid no. of that. No, no. Let's... <laughs> condense that and put it on the internet
2: but just like a few things that we've actually been talking about also um we talk about how when we accept jesus and he makes us feel valued like you're saying mm. that um we get better at learning and not just regurgitating the stuff as well and but then also that drove a wedge between you and some other people it's also like looking at the way that we learn when we're a christian and knowing that we're valued actually helps us to be a gift to other people mm. as well and i think that's where that's might be the bit that you're talking about in terms of being a wedge instead now you're like oh i can support that person who's just done an amazing job mm. they'll yeah. do the same to me but then we're also because we're learning in this way we can actually be a gift and blessing to other people as well and i think yeah. that's what i was trying to talk about however many minutes ago <laughs> was that i think you talking about that has now made me realize yeah that's that's how we can look at our learning and and academics or anything and when we're reading the book that we're reading I highly recommend that book by the way it's yeah, one cool. of the best books I've ever read I really read of it yeah yeah well um but yeah just to be able to know that God's actually working through us all mm. one way or another and yeah. then, and and I think that's what we're getting from your story so far grace is
3: mm.
2: he waited to that very point to know that to show you that actually no achievement is not the number one priority mm. i am And this is how we can we can change that you can still enjoy doing that stuff but you can just love other people by having that self-worth that you're talking about that he provides and uh, i think that's just a lovely story because um that's why we definitely need to clip it right oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) fully what was when you went to uni so was it a commerce and law degree is that right what was the thinking behind that do you plan to become a lawyer or a or is just like this is what i should do i should do it first of all double degree is that what you have to do when you get 43 out of 45 Is a double degree?
1: It's more of not knowing what to do, so you yeah. do as many things as you can, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, <that's> but, right. <laughs> but yeah, I think I didn't know what to do mm. um, after high school. I knew I really liked languages, uh, so okay. that was a thing, but I guess I didn't know what I could do with languages after uni. So in a sense, there was a, like, a practical aspect. What do I do post uni? Um, so my mum, I think it was, suggests that law... And she's like, oh, you know, great general knowledge, you kind of know how the world works. And I think that was quite wise of her. Mm. Um, With commerce, I was choosing between commerce and like arts languages, Mm. but I knew that I'd study arts, um, so languages in my own free time, um, which which I do now. Um, But uh, I knew (laughs) that I would spend time understanding money and the way it can be a really helpful gift Mm. and how it works um and how it can be also a very dangerous tool or weapon mm. um and so uh i think i just needed to go how can i be wise um with my money and i think studying commerce gave me a better sort of foundational understanding of it
2: mm. when you said you didn't know what to do did you have any ideas or it's just like i have to go to uni and this and will un- be best?
1: Uni was the next step um i think maybe just that's because that's what was talked about all the time. Mm. That's what everyone did. Yes. Although now looking in hindsight, <laughs> there's such a big range of things you could do post um, high school. Mm. That's something we've talked about previously <laughs> on the yeah, podcast. Cool, yeah, yeah. But I think for me that was just the natural kind of, that's your next step. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I had so many different ideas and options I, and I didn't understand enough of how the world worked. Mm. My world was just studying and yeah, right. doing my own little thing.
2: And is it understanding yourself as well, like what you actually like doing? You d- Did you feel like you weren't at that point either?
1: Yeah, I think maybe at that time I was too young, too uh, insular maybe. And so I needed to get to uni to start thinking for myself and then starting to understand how the world works.
2: Mm. And you became a Christian at like kind of through uh, university mission or yep. university ministry, I yep. should say, um, And it's a little bit different to some of the stories, like Brayden or myself, or Ethan, and some other people were like, "Oh, we didn't like uni; like we just wanted to get Uh, out of there," which is funny. And we didn't really participate in uni ministry very much. And I think that was partly because of the amount of stuff that we would do. We're doing it at our own church as Mm. well, so that would be part of it. But um, I just like would you as would you can you educate us two people on why university ministry is really important and really helpful for. Wasn't for us, but for, you, for yourself and other people.
1: Yeah, I think uni was a really good time of growth. It was when I started thinking uh, for myself rather than just regurgitating what other people told me.
3: Awesome.
1: Uh, and there was lots of flexible time in between because you would have classes and you have breaks in between. Um, a lot of tr- people tried to pack everything really tightly. But I think as I went throughout uni, I saw the value of building relationships Mm. at uni Mm. and the um, wonderful teaching and training you get at uni because they pitched it at a university level. Um, So they challenged us in our thinking.
3: Um,
1: There was a lot of time together. Uh, And so I think some of my closest friends, um, Christian friends, were from uni as well. Uh, And it was a time of growing together and Mm. spending time discussing random ideas and... How does this truth uh, from the Bible speak into our lives and how is it relevant for us? So I think um, it was quite an intensive kind of time of being able to learn God's word and learn it both, um, I guess, reading the text itself, but also on a systematic kind of level and thinking about ethics and how... um, God's word shapes our Christian mm. ethics.
2: Because that all comes up at uni anyway. It right? does, mm. yeah.
1: So those kind of ideas that are starting to form in a young adult's mind then sort of get informed as well by um, the Christian faith.
2: Mm. Well, that's that's cool. Yeah,
0: that's super, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> and we could clip that too. Clip uh, it. Clip <laughs> it, Dave. No, so um, that's the title <laughs> of the episode, clip it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's really cool and really encouraging. And um, yeah, I, I sometimes think that, uh, I think if I had, not been doing lots of church i would have been trying to um mm. get involved like that too because i think yeah it is it is really important and it's it's a d- fantastic time mm. um for because there's lots of people who are like yourself who are getting to uni and thinking for the first time yeah. like not for the first time ever thinking but like I mean, challenging but being challenged but being challenged for the yeah challenging their thinking for mm. the first time and mm. um, and being willing to explore those challenges and i think so i think yeah i think it's really really important um, but Grace, you went into, uni not really sure what you were doing. How did you come out of uni? What, what was next?
1: <laughs> uh, next was like the natural step was full-time work. Yep. And I think, um, like in your fourth or fifth year, like final year at uni, you kind of think, oh, I need to start finding a job, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, one that like an internship so that you could, uh, become a lawyer. So mm-hmm. I think that was my natural sort of inclination because I was more interested in law than commerce. Uh, So I did the same thing as everyone else, sort of applied for lots of different law firms, but they were corporate law firms. Even though I wasn't particularly interested in the area, it was like, it was okay, but everyone was doing it. So I was like, Mm. oh, I think I have to do it too, because otherwise I'll fall behind or um, I'll be out of the norm again. Mm. Um, So that's why I think sense of belonging is challenged again. Like Once you become a Christian, it's not just everything is fixed, but these things come back to sort of niggle at you and you continue working through it. Um, so I think that was another point of challenge and I was quite upset when I then wasn't successful in getting an internship. Um, but then I went, oh, I'm actually really interested in criminal law, so I uh, I think just called them up or emailed this firm that looked really interesting uh, and uh, the one of the partners, or both of them were, Christian as well. Mm. So I was like, oh, how does that work? Like, you're Christian, you do criminal law. Uh, And then they said, oh, yeah, we'd we'd love to kind of help train you or give you an insight. But what would be more helpful to you is if you went and observed us in Mm. court and doing lots of different things, you wouldn't be very productive. So you wouldn't generate income for Hmm. the firm. So we can't really pay you. But would you like to do some work experience with us? And so I did work experience with them then continued on as a paralegal part-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, fun story, that's where I um, met Nick Breen because oh, he oh. was a
0: lawyer there. Really? Yeah. There you go. Huh. Um. Nick is uh, one, of the, uh, one of the guys at our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes along on Saturday nights. Yeah. Nick is a Yarrawara. Oh, he yeah, does go to Yarrawara. <laughs> yeah. Does he not come on Saturday at all now?
2: Uh, no. I think oh. Yarrawara is their main yeah. gathering. Well, I hang
0: out with him at Yarrawara. Yeah, cool. Week, so. Yep. <laughs> yeah,
1: cool. so I was like surprised to see a familiar face when I walked into Saw Revival, <laughs> uh, I think a long time ago on Sat- Saturday evening. Yeah.
2: Mm. Cool. No, he was definitely here when I think you first come. Yeah, in. before Yarrawara started. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah so I did that for a while, but um, didn't end up um, being able to have a, a job as a graduate lawyer there. So then um, applied for another job. Uh, and that's where like I really, really enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. being in law. Um, it lawyer was Lawyer lifestyle. Yeah, no, it was very different again. <laughs> Work hard, play hard.
3: <laughs>
1: I <Sorry>. was... Um, <laughs> great skills, um, but um, I was... What was I doing? Now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. No, 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 all good.
0: Um, you were being a lawyer. I, I was you being were a working lawyer. working hard and playing hard.
1: That, that's right. <laughs> uh, I applied for a job, which then meant that I worked for government And there was a particular area in government in this legal team that um, looked after, um, like, investigations into deaths and disappearances and fires and all those things that, like, would happen that usually should not happen. Um, Like, we want to promote the safety Mm -hmm. um, through the systems And instead of going, okay, it's one person's fault um, or attributing fault by itself, it was more of an investigative, so what went wrong here and how Mm. can we make recommendations to improve the system? But in order to do that, you needed to pull a lot of different parties together, um, everyone who's involved in this. Uh, So it was a very, uh, very interesting role. uh, And... Almost made me go, oh, do I really want to go into vocational full-time paid ministry or not? Mm. Really? <laughs> because it was, yeah, a lot of fun.
2: Just before we get into the, your, your decision between ministry and, and work, what was, um, what's the, like, is there like a case or something that you worked on at that particular law firm that really stood out to you and you really enjoyed?
1: Oh, there were so many. Um I think it's so diverse because um, there's so many ways things can go wrong (laughs) and deaths (laughs) can occur. Um, But I think maybe one that stood out because I'd been working uh, on it for a fair bit of time and um, because I worked with someone that I really enjoyed working with, um, it it was like, oh, we we need to spend a lot of time, but we're doing this together. It was... um, so briefly outlining the case, um, multiple people had died because they had consumed um, lots of prescription drugs okay. um, and they, they mixed it all together and they somehow got hold of a lot of these drugs. And so it's like, oh, how did you get hold of that? Um, and what they did was they actually went around um, to different doctors. So they call it prescription shopping. Yep. Uh, And Mm. they tell the doctor, I really need these pain meds. So because there's a flaw in the system where the doctors might not be talking to each other or the pharmacies might not be linked together, Mm. so they go, oh, this person's in pain. Naturally, I would prescribe drugs um, to alleviate that. Mm. And then they would go around to different pharmacies collecting all these different prescription drugs. And so in the end, consuming too much of that uh, and uh, passing away. And that had happened to four or five different people. So you're looking at Hmm. different people's stories um, and then you're looking at the different uh, parties involved, like the doctors, the chemists, and um, the overall pharmaceutical body. Uh, And I think it's just fascinating to go, well, who was all involved? What went wrong? And... Yeah, ultimately it was so tragic, um, but to go, okay, is there something we could do with the system mm. to make it better for future people yeah. that this won't happen again? And
2: were you able to make those changes?
1: So um, we only have powers to make recommendations, right. which then um, I think trickle through to the different uh, bodies and different systems.
2: Yep. So um, did, did did any uh, come to fruition? Did you see um, them get put in place or not?
1: I'm, I'm not sure how, like... Direct the links were, but things like you know, when there's a when people have a register, uh, I think a database where all these things get rec- recorded. I think that was one of the recommendations that were made. So you can see this person has gone to all these pharmacies and all these doctors, and
2: these particular drugs, and exactly, yep.
1: yeah. So, how that got implemented, like, we I didn't get to see mm. or whether it got implemented and to what extent sometimes there'll be sort of concessions, like people will go, oh yeah, we'll do some of this, yeah. but not all of this.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. But that's a, a way of using your abilities and gifts to still try and help people. Yeah. Which I think is, obviously, I mean, you became a Christian at University but Anis, and as you're maturing as a Christian, and, i i would sit i mean i surmise i would guess that you would wanted to do that more and more if like as you became more mature as a christian would that be would I, am i putting words in your mouth there or something was or that you definitely wanted to keep going down that line
1: yeah i think um the first thought that was planted in my mind was at the end of uni where they had this looking into a full-time ministry and they went wouldn't it be great to and they, they sort of presented what it could look like what we should be starting to think about and i thought yeah okay i'll do a five-year plan um Five years down the track, after I've established myself as a lawyer a bit more, Mm. I'll do that.
2: That's very similar to Joey's story. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think so. Like, you kind of have um, maybe milestones that you want to hit or things that you want to achieve before you um, go down that track. And the other thing is, I think I heard from a lot of older, wiser people, uh, including my parents, that you have no life experience at all. (laughs) Like, how are you going to help other people think through life questions? And work is a very big part of our lives. So if you had some work experience, it'll be really, really helpful as you try and come alongside other people.
2: Mm, Definitely. And so when's that leap towards ministry happening for yourself and why are you thinking that? Because you you said just before I asked you the question about your favourite case was that you were considering ministry at that time. What What was your thinking around that time and why did you decide to do it and decide to make a change?
1: Um, one of the big things was, uh, the idea of sharing Jesus, like if it, uh, the message is true and so beautiful and so urgent in some sense, mm. then like, we need to tell people about it. Mm. Um, and how do we do that? Well, the people around us, uh, and I felt just really convicted to share, um, this most important thing in life with the people around me. Mm. Uh, and I was encouraged by university as we left to go, you need to think about your workplace as well as a place that has people who don't know Jesus and how are you going to share the good news with them? You see them every day, um, you work on projects with them, you might have lunch with them. So they're your natural kind of interactions. Uh, And so I was uh, praying for people and praying that I would be able to make connections with people so that I can uh, share Jesus with them. But at the same time, I was someone who's very shy in the workplace. And so I was like, often my natural tendency would be to just hold back and just keep to myself. Uh, to the extent that um, I think in my performance review, my boss said, Grace is doing a good job, but it'd be great if she could mingle with other people a little <laughs> bit
3: more.
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, so I think um, just working out, well, how do I share Jesus? Because it's so awkward in the workplace. Like, what if I get it wrong? What if Mm. workplace relationships are destroyed? Uh, What if people think I'm wasting my time and I should be working instead? And you are paid to do work. So Mm. in what way is it appropriate to share Jesus in the workplace? Uh, And so that's where I also got connected with City Bible Forum, Mm. which is where I now work. Um, but at that time I attended some of their training, some of their talks, uh, and one of the things that was encouraged was an evangelistic prayer team. So different workers would get together, uh, in maybe groups of five to seven and share how they're going with their work, but also how they're going with their colleagues mm-hmm. and who we could be praying for. So I did that, um, with, I got connected with a bunch of young workers mm-hmm. and we would just get together maybe fortnightly and, uh, share life and for one another and i think uh, i did have friends then or colleagues in the workplace that i started opening up to mm. so one small step was just asking someone do you want to come to lunch with me mm. <laughs> and then going oh it's actually possible because she said yes yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, that's great and then we had a great conversation mm. um, we shared more about our lives not just about work and I think when you discover stuff about the other person and they about you, yeah. it just flows quite naturally. Yeah, um, and so that was like the first story, but there were many after that where natural conversations then led to, oh, like, do you have a faith? Or, mm. And they would ask the same, or what do you do outside of work? Mm. Oh, yeah. I think
0: it's the, the what are you doing on the weekend? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to church is such a great like yeah that doesn't have to be that doesn't have to go anywhere but at least that's the little you plant little things right like
1: low-key things rather than oh you should come to church with me it's more like i go to church and then down the track you go i learned this at church Mm. or yeah Yeah, it's really natural
2: and was that the pressure to share jesus with them? was that kind of like was that achievement like the desire for achievement still lingering there for you? Like, you're like, oh, I have to do this 100% right and get 100% marked. <laughs>
1: it definitely can feed into that. Mm. Um, so it's a constant sort of battle internally yeah. going, yeah. oh, it, my next step has to be to ask them to read the Bible. And whether or not they say <laughs> yes or no also depends on how well I ask them. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so that does come back to haunt you in some sense. But then you have other people in your evangelistic prayer team or Christians in your circles reminding you that, no, 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 you're not defined by that. And mm. you have no control over whether they'll say yes or no. Um, you could ask in a better way, and there are better ways to ask than others. But ultimately, it's also the work of God and yeah. other people in their lives oh, yeah. and the person themselves.
2: Yeah, I agree. Do yeah. you have something, Meath?
0: Oh, I'd like... Well, on on that, um, we're looking at church at the moment. We're looking through Acts. Mm. Um, and Acts is a really cool example. We, we literally just started and so Pentecost happened um, and we talked about the Holy Spirit and how... Um, the <laughs> I just had a, a, a funny realisation of you look at the disciples um, through the Gospels and they so constantly... Just, just don't get it they're not very they're not they're not all there on on getting stuff and then they get the Holy Spirit and Peter who has been consistently not getting it gets up and gives a sermon <laughs> yeah. yep. and he gets up and he quotes Joel and a random the son. Prophet, Joel, the <laughs> prophet yeah no no <laughs> not this job um and and it's just this it's just this really cool example of what we see when we do ministry mm. now yeah. Um, yeah. where we're not actually doing it Like it's, it's, it's happening. We are doing it, but the Holy Spirit is, is doing all the hard work. Um, And, and so we just got to have those little conversations. Right. And, um, and if it works, it isn't like, it isn't us Mm -hmm. um, in the same way that our salvation isn't us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's yeah, it's really cool. Um, Just, just really quickly. um, What is the City Bible Forum? Mm. What yeah,
1: it's a, it's a not-for-profit organization, um, so a Christian organization that helps people, like workers in particular, to think about the bigger questions of life
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and to think about how faith uh, informs life as well. So we help Christians to think about, well, what does it look like um, for my faith to inform my work mm. and also how to connect with um, my colleagues so that I can share Jesus with them. And for people who are not Christian, we kind of provide that safe space for people to have very open discussions uh, and uh, informed discussions about worldviews, faith, Hmm. meaning of life, those kind of questions. And there are people who are searching and so we want to meet them where they're at.
2: Have you seen a lot of fruit from that?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, heaps. I think just seeing Christians themselves grow and going, actually, all these things... At work, like our mm-hmm. motto at church is "Jesus changes everything," mm-hmm. and it does even in the workplace. Like you, you think about office politics differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about ambition differently. You think about how you earn money and um, how you use your money in a different way. Like mm-hmm. all these things, as a worker, they're really important. Um, I just remember that sometimes there's this disconnect between um, the workplace and your faith. For, for a lot of young workers, mm-hmm. because they go, oh, you know, there's such a competition in the workplace. Like, you have to get ahead. And in order to get ahead, you have to be a bit more aggressive. And that means stepping over some people. And that conflicts with my Christian faith. So in order to gain the outcome I want, maybe I have to just go the, the other way rather than following Jesus. Whereas I guess, like, we help young workers to work through what does it mean to have ambition and Mm. to do your best and do really well and to also at appropriate times assert yourself but to also be able to hold that together with loving your neighbour and loving your colleague Mm. and doing what's in the best interests of other people. And I think we often struggle to hold those two together rather than going one way or the other.
2: Mm. I mean, I think that would be really helpful, especially with like a lot of people that work in the city mm. that particular reason because it is probably a, an environment that you're like more down the line of what you were saying is like, I need to get ahead, I need to earn more money and I need to do all mm. those kind of things. So I think that would be really helpful if I was in that particular situation. Um, so it makes a lot of sense.
1: I guess the second part of that question of have you seen any fruit? Um, yeah, sorry. Um, because that's probably the most exciting part is people have become Christian through it. Awesome, mm, that's awesome. Um, so there, there's even someone from who, who comes to uh, our West Rite gathering. Who has read the Bible with uh, one of my colleagues, uh, and that's through a young workers connection. Mm. He's then become a Christian. He was looking for a church, and then he gets um, introduced to us.
2: Mm, that's fantastic. Well, speaking of the Westside Gathering, so we actually planted a, a Westside Gathering at Saw Revival. But I'd like to go back a little bit more of how you've been an integral part of planting that gathering as part of Saw Revival. But I'd like to go back and ask you how that started because. I think that's a really important story to tell because both yourself and Ian in particular mm-hmm. have been really big on, on pushing for pushing the gathering to happen. Yeah. But you actually started coming here mm. to Sorovolvo at Kira-wee first, yeah. right? Yeah. So please, please yeah, tell that, that story, story all yeah, the let's way go. back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> sure. that's what I said. I wanted to say the reason, uh, like one of the reasons we have the West Rite Gathering is because of you, Yeah. but I want to take it all the way back and yep. see where it started from. Yeah,
1: obviously where it started from, I wasn't even thinking about that point, mm. about church planting or perhaps even staying with Saw Revival that long, um, but I was studying at More Theological College and... Uh, We're really encouraged to see um, a different church to what we'd seen before. So they have this thing called student minister training, which I guess here we call interns as well.
3: Mm.
1: And so at that point, I was trying to figure out where do I do an internship at church, uh, at which church. And so I talked to one of our lecturers about it, and he said, oh, these are the few churches that um, would be really good to train at. Um, He asked me, what my criteria was or what I'd seen before and what different things I wanted to see. So he suggested something like five. The other criteria was it had to be close to public transport, so (laughs) very practical stuff. Um, So then I went to visit, I think, all the websites of the different churches Mm. (laughs) and then saw Saw Revivals, and I was like, wow, there are a lot of volunteer pastors um, at this church. I haven't seen that on any other website in some sense. Uh, and so I was like, how do they get people to love their church so much that they would spend so much time caring for people um, because workers are busy, right? Mm. And so you do serve, but to be a volunteer pastor seems like pretty intense. And then um, I thought I'd come visit, so I just picked a Saturday night, came to visit, thought – if I Sick. can, I'll catch one of the ministers to talk to them. So I had a really brief but good chat with Stu. And he's like, oh, why don't we talk about this a bit more? And I think that's where it kind of kicked off. Um, I wanted to look at youth and kids in particular and knew that So Revival did that really well because I had no experience with um, youth and kids. Mm. So most of my ministry beforehand had to do with adults and I became a Christian as an adult too. So what does it look like cool. for the younger generation? So, I guess that's why I met Ethan as well.
0: We hung out doing youth ministry together for a while. It was good fun.
1: and Brayden, who's just uh, popped up behind there. He's just arrived. Hi, Brayden. (laughs) There he is. Yeah, and just had the privilege of seeing how you guys ran youth Mm. um, and Fuse. And it was really eye-opening because I I have... Like, when you're not used to something, you're a bit fearful of it. It's Mm. like, what if kids ask me this really weird thing and I can't answer it? Or, like, (laughs) what if they don't like me? Um, uh, And so... I think um being able to just see you're just loving people Mm -hmm. and meeting them where they're at and letting other people embrace you too that was a really really good experience Mm -hmm. and i just remember like a 12 year old walking up to me and going oh hi i'm uh, and introducing herself and asking me a few questions like Let me introduce you to my mom. She can talk to you more. (laughs) That's really cool. (laughs) Something, you know, the all age, all stage Mm. thing Mm. and people welcoming each other. That was very special. Mm. Um, And I just continued staying on for the two years. When Mm. the two years was up, I was like, oh, I've built friendships here uh, and see really great stuff happening. Uh, I'd like to continue to stay in touch. I didn't know what that looked like. So I just mentioned to Stu, oh, yeah, um, Stu, it'd be great to continue to <laughs> be friends. <laughs> and then <laughs> Stu Grab then like, takes a sheet of paper and starts <laughs> drawing circles on mm-hmm, them, going, mm-hmm. what are the possibilities that <laughs> could happen? Um, and then I think we just were really on board with the different ideas and mm. creative stuff that could happen. And so I thought, yeah, why, why don't I just continue on at Soul Revival Church? And even then, it wasn't thinking about planting, mm. but just thinking about I have relationships in West Ride, like f- friendships. Yeah. Um, I want to do something there. Uh, and at the same time, I want to stay connected with Soul Revival. Um, and Soul Revival is very mission-minded mm. and wants to reach the all age, all stage, um, and wants to uh, reach people of different backgrounds. So how do we do this and can we do this together? So then I thought it'd be great to have a couple of Christian friends to start something up. Um, My sister, Michelle, was someone who's very, very keen. So she'd been living in a small country town with just 2,000 people. She was probably um, one of the few Asians there, also Mm -hmm. one of the younger people there. Mm. Because she was a
2: doctor out there, right? She has a doctor out there. She did her
1: training there. Um, but then she went to church there and just mm. made people from all sorts of different ages and backgrounds mm. so that most of her friends would be in their 70s. <laughs> and she really enjoyed that. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. that takes fun. Yeah. And so when she came back, she's like, oh, I love all age, all stage kind of thinking. Mm. She came with me to, um, at that time, Sunday afternoon service at yep. Um And uh, we then started dreaming up, oh, could we invite our, friends who don't know Jesus yet just to hang out with us, mm. spend time. The relational strength is something we thought was really important. And as part of that, the Christians would continue like in the hour after on a Saturday afternoon to read the Bible together because mm. that's what we do as friends. Mm. Like we go, this is very core and really beneficial to our friendship to read the Bible together. So the Christians will be doing that. Mm. But for people who aren't, you're also welcome to join us. Yeah. And we'd love you to just kind of explore it. There's mm. it's very open there's no background knowledge assumed, uh, and we are actually really interested in hearing from you and your thoughts to give us a fresh perspective, but That's also really cool. to just have a conversation around it, because we are all interested in like the questions of life. Mm. So I think um, we sort of planned it as a more chill, kind of relaxed thing, Um and we asked Ian along too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another friend called Bethany. So the four of us have a lot of friends who are not Christian. Mm-hmm. And we thought, let's just bring our, our merge our universes, as yep. Sam Chan would say. So <laughs> Sam Chan's a well-known Christian speaker at City Bible Forum as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's merge our universes of uh, Christian friends and friends who are not Christian yet. Mm. And just get them to mingle so that they can see what, what it's like doing relationships as Christians. And they... They came uh, along um, and then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it did. So we did one day of dumplings and um, our different friends did dumplings together and then we read the Bible briefly together and had a bit of a discussion and then ate dumplings.
2: <laughs> sounds good. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: that sounds like a fantastic time. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we're like, oh, yeah, just do it socially. Um, and then COVID happened and then we brought everything onto Zoom and uh, and over Zoom, like, you know, the discussion's different. You can't oh, hang yeah, out over different. Zoom as yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. So I think we were much more intentional. we go, hmm. oh, could we play a game beforehand? Or could hmm. we do an icebreaker? And Ian is um, the champion at icebreakers. So <laughs> you awesome. can ask Good him about him. <laughs> that sometime. <laughs> we'll get him on the pod. Definitely will. Yeah, that's right. Um and so we would start, like, with a little social thing. People, I think, were feeling quite isolated, so they'd come and join on Zoom just to see what's happening and also join in some community. And then afterwards, we, we'd open, like, part of the Gospel of Luke to read together. That was mm. the other thing. We, we chose the Gospel of Luke so that it would be bite-sized chunks, yeah, so you could cool. have episodes and yeah, little yeah. stories. Yeah. So just like Netflix, you can, like, watch one episode and yeah. you can go away with it and make some sense of it. Mm. And if you missed one episode, it's OK. People can fill you in, but you'd focus on the next episode. Mm. So that's what we wanted really it to cool. do for our friends. And then over Zoom, um, we started with maybe six people that kind of grew as friends brought friends. Um, and I think like two years down the track at our peak during lockdown, we were like 17 people. Yes, I was like, how do we do this? How
2: do we how, <laughs> we, how do we grow during COVID? It, was, it would be my question. But <laughs> it's that, that's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean,
1: the work of God. And yeah. I guess some insight would be that maybe people were feeling like there were no other activities at that point in time. Uh, there was a point of connection, social connection. Mm. Uh, and also like just talking about more important questions when you're in a time like a pandemic Mm. before you just brush those questions aside Mm. but they're brought to the forefront um during hard times
2: Mm. yeah totally and then so how did it lead to actually i mean that's how the gathering started right but then it's like we want to ramp this up more and more yeah what what were the steps that you decided to take and i do apologize for leaving bethany and michelle out of saying that you guys were behind the the (laughs) the driving force so i do apologize I love Michelle because I had a great <laughs> chat with her when I when I went over to West Ride. Um, what were the next kind of steps like? Was it we want to figure out how to do this once we can go back to meeting together? Like we had lots of a number of lockdowns and mm. all that kind of thing. Yeah. Was it like we want to make this now? If we've grown to seventeen people, like this is there's something happening here. Like mm. let's let's keep let's push the accelerator. What was the decisions?
1: I think there were ongoing kind of decisions, and the wonderful thing was Stu kept meeting with us very regularly. Mm. So I know that um, Michelle and Ian were doing Berea online um, with Braden and with Stu. So I think every Monday night they, they'd they meet together. Mm-hmm. And so while Ian and Michelle were still fairly new to Saw Revival, there was this onboarding process that was happening. Mm-hmm. The relationships were being built. Uh, so that was very helpful to kind of move us more towards uh, setting up uh, a gathering. Um, and I think um, instead of seeing a gathering as something that like is a it's a project, but at the same time it's more about the people. Mm. And so building that relational strength was really really important. Yeah. Uh, and with Stu meeting with us then when Louise and Weng came on board mm. every Wednesday evening, uh, that was really really fantastic because then he gave us the steps of how it would work, um, gave us some training, and also helped us to work through things ourselves and think through things. So that we could wrestle with that and go, do we actually plant? Do we not plant? Um, do we need something that's a little bit more stable? How can we build structures so that they actually serve our people and that helps us to love people better?
2: I just love it. Love it. Thank Sick. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's such a blessing to our church. I was just going to say um, now you've actually have a venue. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. last time when yeah. I came, it was in your lounge room, yep. is that correct? But now you have a venue. Talk us through that and what's exciting about that and where you see it going now.
1: Yeah, the The lounge room was very special because it felt like a friendship gathering or mm. a family gathering, yep. um, but then we ran out of space. Yeah. So that's the special <laughs> thing about having a venue, which means that we, ha- we have a space that could fit maybe... Uh, 70, 80 people. Mm. And that's very exciting because then you see new possibilities. You don't go, maybe I shouldn't invite my friend this week because they feel like there's no social distancing. You go, wow, there's space. And so I'll be very intentional now about inviting my friends rather than holding back and being more passive. Mm. Because there were definitely people who were interested and went, oh, can I come? And you're like, sure, but I'll try (laughs) and manage the numbers. (laughs) Yeah. like maybe can we wait till next week for like Ian's friend to come and my friend comes this week. Whereas now it's like doesn't matter because mm-hmm. we
2: right. have space. That's yeah. cool.
0: That's yeah. really exciting.
2: Fantastic. And uh, before I ask the final question, Ethan, do you have anything else to to add? Of great. My only addition grace?
0: is that I'm I'm really encouraged Um <laughs> and. Yeah. That's all I got. I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I think I think having a venue is is really exciting, and, and it, yes, it comes with more challenges because yeah. um, it might not feel as homely, mm. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I think what you said before was really true, and it was it's not about at the end of the day um, the project. Uh, it's, it is about those relationships yeah. and um, and building that team of of, of friends mm. that um, mm. that together. Doing like, ministry as a team and I, f- as friends. Yeah, I think it, I think it bring, comes back to that belonging thing yeah. of like you you actually end up, yes, you're not at your house anymore, um, but you guys actually belong together because you all belong to Jesus. Yeah. And so um, something we talk about a lot at Soul Revival is that uh, we're trying to be a friendship group that invites everyone to be a part of that friendship group. Mm. And I think that's a really encouraging thing to be seeing happen. To, yep. to, yeah, that, that was all right. Um. And yeah, I'm just really encouraged by that and I'm really excited that, um, that yeah, you, you literally like a few sentences in were like, my story has me struggling for belonging. And yeah. and you've concluded with, um, well, I maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but um, it's it's really cool to see that there is a space, whether it be City Bible Forum and, and, and Soul Revival and, and there's lots of spaces where... Um, you may feel like you belong and I think that's really cool uh, and really exciting.
1: Yeah, I Uh, think there's no place that you might feel you fully belong because in a sense we're all temporarily here and we know we belong with Jesus and we'll be with him in heaven forever. Mm. Um, That's your ultimate sense of belonging. Mm. But in this temporary space, we can be much more relaxed about belonging and we can actually make the effort to help people feel like they belong Mm. because they can get to know Jesus as well. Mm. And I think um, one maybe... uh, final thing to add from my perspective is also the fact that we belong to each other um in such creative ways like yeah. um I, I love how that we're we don't see geography as a boundary mm. but we go like okay there's this team in west ryan there's this team in kira we yarawara but we're somehow using creative ways with modern technology now <laughs> <laughs> to, to still stay connected and belong with one another mm-hmm. um and i love how you guys make that happen with like the digital team going <laughs> oh yeah we can do a live stream and Mm. that's how we can then take steps in our church planting too, to not say we need to go live immediately, Mm. but we can live stream from Kiriwi and we have a group of people that are mutually encouraging each other in Christ and can talk about the sermon later, um, but we don't have to do all the work. We can be creative in starting Mm. to build around people because we have extra resources by doing stuff together.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. no that's a really good point I think um that low-key long-term relational mm. really helps with that and building as friends building it as, as friends and step by step that makes a lot of sense what you're saying then i and to hear it from your perspective I'm like mm. oh yes and, like because when we planted the church it was like it was just 30 of us and we we'd, we'd mm. like t- kind of done ministry together for a long time and all yeah. that kind and of friends, thing right? And, right. yeah as friends and I think As we have grown as a church we've had to continually adapt our ways of how we're doing things and the Westerod gathering is just one of those examples but also like with our different church plants and stuff as well it's that Mm. how do we uh, there's something we always talk about is theology strategy in practice and theology is always stays the same Mm. our strategy is we want to be intergenerational all age all stage sharing the love and truth of Jesus but then practice is a thing that can change all the time and that that allows us having that flexible practice allows us to be able to do things like you were talking about or try experiment try and experiment things with things and then go no this didn't work come back and we'll we'll try it again and i think it's it's a i think we're in a really exciting moment as a church as as covid seems to be subsiding not Mm. saying it's going away but it seems to Mm. be subsiding i think it's a really exciting period of church that we're coming into oh yeah anyway enough about me talking about it. The final question, Grace, is if you look back over the, the history of your life so far, what would you like to tell your younger Christian self?
1: Mm. Oh, I think it'd be just that, I think sticking with the theme of belonging, that I didn't need to stress so much to work so hard at belonging um, and to, instead of keeping like continuing to look inside of myself to look outwards a lot more because I think when we help other people feel like they belong we kind of automatically belong or are Mm. included as well Mm. so from that self-centered kind of perspective of am I fitting in am I belonging am I cool enough am I um, smart enough am I achieving enough like I think if I could just free up that headspace to go, how can I love the other person yes, in front of people. me? Yep. How can I serve them? How can I make them feel comfortable and mm. safe? That would have been such more, lib- so much more liberating mm. and also so much better for relationships. Mm. I wouldn't have been as isolated or felt as isolated mm. and the other person wouldn't have as well. Yeah. Um, and so better connections could have been formed that way.
2: Yeah, totally. and you spoke about that. In terms of being jealous or upset yeah. that other people did better than you. So that yeah. that makes a lot like of sense. Like
1: we could do much more together if yeah. I had valued the other person's yeah. strengths rather than competing yeah. with them.
2: And have a and a heart to serve them as well. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Well, I think that's a good time to hit the podcast. Fully. Thank you so much. We feel so, so much. We feel very blessed by your presence on the podcast. Yeah. So thank you so much, Grace. We loved hearing your story. Mm-hmm. But I thought that what was interesting though is that you spoke a lot about belonging. And trying to find your sense of belonging. But I think also, um, as you found your identity in Jesus and knowing that Jesus was your savior, I think it shows us that you are actually a unique individual and, mm. like, a really, and that's, you've had so many, all these different experiences that have obviously contributed to trying to find that sense of belonging, but also shaped you into an, a really effective but also um, lovely, unique, individual person. And I think that's why we, like, you belong here with us. That's, yeah. that's what I'm yeah. trying to say, is that we, we love yeah. having you here. So totally. thank you so much for um, telling us your story and mm-hmm. being honest about things and saying that you still struggle with being belonging mm-hmm. finding that mm-hmm. sense of belonging. But it's, it's lovely to have you here and we just want to keep loving you and encouraging you. So yeah, thank no. you so much.
1: Thanks for that. Feeling the love. <laughs> and Thank you for helping me feel like I belong and reminding me of those truths too.
2: Yeah, no worries at all. Yeah. Thank you so um. much. Well, um, we always finish with the one way. At the end of the <laughs> podcast. So, shall we wrap up the chips? <laughs> Just wrap it. <up> Wrapped <laughs> up the <laughs> chips, up the and chips. We'll, we'll finish with a one way. So, thank you, Grace, and thank you everyone for listening. One way. One way.